The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Now that's just a couple of minutes, four minutes or so, and uh, that might be your story today. I, I don't know. That might be your story. That might be the hope for your story. And what I love about Craig's story is that it is such a powerful reminder for us that because when, when we're in the middle of something like that, it feels so hopeless. It feels like that er, the stone has been cast, the die has been cast, and there's no hope for anything different. And yet the truth is our God does still work, our God still moves in our lives, and we see in Craig's story the truth of what we read in Scripture, and Craig's story does such a great job of, of getting us ready to jump into the text today and to think about and to, to kind of hear and to see how it is that God works, how it is that he continues to move, and, and what it is that he does is he kind of reforms each of us. That's what we've been talking about, that's what we're talking about in this series called Formed. We're talking about the voices that influence each of us. And we talked last week when we began this series about the fact that all of us, we can all think back to times in our life when we listen to voices, maybe a single voice or a group of voices that we wish that we didn't listen to. And we can think back to those times and we can think and we can see how it is that they influence. In fact, what we said last week, we said it this way. We said who and what we listen to that actually influences what it is that we do. And we said that's true for all of us. That's true at every age. It's ev true at every stage of our lives. And we looked at an event in the history of the nation of Israel where we saw this play out very clearly, an event that happened between two kings, Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And in that relationship between these two kings, we also some saw something else. We saw another principle at work, which is this, that whenever you or I, whenever we are in alliance with someone, and, and we said an alliance can be a whole bunch of things. It could be a partnership in a business. It could be a, an advisory board that you serve on. It could be a team or a club that you participate with in school. But we said whenever we are in alliance with another person or a group of people, there is a sense that those people, they gain leverage into our lives. And their words, they actually begin to weigh more in our lives because the people that we are closest to, the, the people that we invariably spend day in and day out of our lives with, those are, are, are naturally the people that we're going to listen the most to and they're going to be the ones who speak the most into our, our lives each day. And so we asked ourselves the question, you know, are those people that we're closest to really, are they, are they people who will speak and who do speak the words of my heavenly Father to me? Is that who those people that are closest to me are? Are they the kind of people that the Scriptures would actually call wise? Now today we're going to look at what it means and what it looks like for us to find a new voice to listen to, to find a new voice maybe to guide us in our families, especially as men but also as women. Uh, for all of us, what it looks like to find that new voice because for many of us here this morning, we kind of know already that some of the voices that are loudest in our own lives personally, those really are not the voices that we want to be listening to the most. Some of those voices are not the voices that we want to hear loudest in our lives. In fact, maybe you've already had this kind of a conversation with your husband or your wife, and you've, you've even said to them, you've said, listen, I don't want to end up being like him. I, I don't want to end up being like her. Maybe you're talking to your kids and, and, and you say something and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, when did I become my dad? Or, or, or when did I become my mom? And some of those things are silly and we can laugh at some of those things. And others of those things, they're, they're really not silly, are they? 
Because the hard truth for all of us is, is, is we know. We know that sometimes some of the deepest hurts that we personally carry are hurts that were caused by, by our own parents. And so for many of us, many of us, we, we swore that we would never repeat certain behaviors. Many of us have, have, have promised ourselves that we would, we would never do those same things that we experienced when we were growing up. And yet we find ourselves so many times repeating patterns and behaviors that we swore that we would never repeat. And see, what makes all of this so difficult as we think about all this is that for every single one of us, in all of our families, in all of our marriages, there is a dynamic at work. And the dynamic, it goes like this. If you don't break it, you will pass it. If you do not break it, you will pass it. And see, that dynamic, that's at work all the time in all of our families and in all of our lives, and it's at work both positively and negatively. It works both positively and negatively in our lives. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that dynamic lived out. Not only do we see that in Craig's story, we're going to see it lived out in the life of a king that we're going to look at together today, a king by the name of Josiah. So once again, take out your Bibles, open them again to 2 Chronicles. This time we're going to be in chapter 34. And what's amazing about Josiah's life is that Josiah's life is very different. What he passed on was very different than what it is that he experienced and what it is that he received. And I want to give you a little bit of context as we begin to read this together. Now, Josiah was once again, if you are with us last weekend... Josiah was once again king in the southern kingdom of Judah, and, and again, for context here, it's about 930 B.C. that what we think of as the nation of Israel was actually broke up into two separate kingdoms, a northern kingdom that kept the name Israel, and then a southern kingdom that became known as the kingdom of Judah. And what we're going to read today, even though it's just a couple of chapters over in Chronicles, it actually took place 200 years after what we read about last week. And in those 200 years, there's about 10 different kings that reign over the nation of Judah, and a lot of them were really, really bad kings. A lot of them were very evil kings who had no intention whatsoever in listening to anything that God had to say or anything that God had to do. One of those really evil kings was a king by the name of Manasseh. He was actually Josiah's grandfather. And Manasseh, he made it his personal mission in life to remove any trace of God in the country of Judah. And so consequently, he went all throughout Judah building, building idols. He built idols through the country. He even built idols in the temple itself. He, he killed all the priests that he could find so that the, the priests could not even tell the people about who their God was. That's how evil this king Manasseh was. Well, Manasseh had a son also. His name was Amon. This is Josiah's father. And Amon was just like his father, Manasseh. He did the same kind of things that Manasseh did. In fact, Amon was so evil that, that after only two years of being the king, his own officials, they actually assassinated him because he had brought so much harm and so much destruction into the country. That was their attempt to try to change what was going on, and then unfortunately that just plunged the nation into an even deeper state of chaos and despair. Now that was the family. If you can imagine this, I mean, that is the family context that Josiah is born into. 
That's all he's known. That's what he's experienced. That's his father's legacy and his grandfather's legacy. It is a horrible situation. And yet it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning in verse 1, that we read about Josiah. And we find out that at the age of eight, he is actually crowned as king of the nation of Judah. And what we see in this, and what we see in Josiah's story, is such a great reminder for us. Because what Josiah's story reminds us is that even when it appears to us that God is completely devoid and not involved in any part of our world, even when we cannot see any sign of activity of God whatsoever, that God is still at work even when we cannot see him at work. And see, Josiah's story also reminds us very personally that for us as dads and for us in our families that that God can actually create something new in our families that has not existed before. That God can actually do something in our family's life that has not existed in our past. And so even when our families, even when our lives look hopeless to us because of the situation we're born into or the situation we get into, There is no situation that is beyond the hope and the healing of God's restoration in our lives. Now, in the account of Josiah that we're going to read about today, beginning in chapter 34, what this is, is this is a history of the changes and the reforms that Josiah makes in the nation of Israel, in the nation of Judah, as he kind of changes the voice that not only he personally, but the voice that the nation is listening to. And so in these changes that we're going to read about today, what I want to do is to draw our attention to four very, very specific changes that, that Josiah makes, because he understands that if he does want something different for himself and for his people, something different than what it is that he has experienced in his life growing up, that both he and his people, they need to learn how to listen to a different voice. And although that's never easy, because our God is a God who is with us in all circumstances, in all situations, it is never impossible and it is never hopeless. And so for some of us today, this story is the story that we want for our future, It's the story that we want for our future family. For others of us today, this is the story of what it is that God has done. This is actually a story that we can take time out and thank God and say, you know what, God, you did this through my dad. You did this through my grandfather. Maybe, God, you did this in my family through my great-grandfather. And so yet, Josiah's story, we're going to see either our hope or our prayer for what it is that we want our Heavenly Father to do in and through us as dads today. Beginning, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, beginning in verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, so when Josiah is about 16 years old, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Now, right there, we're going to stop and kind of draw our attention right there for a moment because what we see Josiah doing is actually kind of interesting. We know Josiah's father was not David, was it? No, his father was Amon. His grandfather was Manasseh. In fact, you know, David was way, way, way back 
in, in Josiah's family. He wasn't his father at all. And yet what we realize and what we see Josiah doing is the first thing I want to draw our attention to, which is this, that Josiah, he very, very intentionally looked for and found a new role model in his life. And see, the reason why this is so important for us as men, but for all of us as women too, for all of us in, in, in our families, when it comes to actually changing the influences in our lives, okay, when it comes to actually finding a new voice for us to listen to, it's not enough for us to just think about what's ideal. We need to be connected to people who, who can help to give to us a new vision for what it is that family and what it is that life is supposed to look like, what it is that that's actually supposed to feel like. Not, not a theoretical vision, not just something that we read about in, in a book or in a magazine, but a real flesh and blood vision for how family is supposed to feel and, and what it is that we're supposed to expect out of life, what it means to actually love a woman, what it means to actually love a man, what it means to really and truly love children. It, we need to, act, to see all of that being lived out in front of us each day because the, the trap, see the trap that's so easy for all of us to fall into when it comes to, to dealing with something like this is that we stay so focused on what it is that we don't want, what it is that we don't want to repeat that we never take the time to develop the relationships with people who can really give to us a new vision for our own lives and, and our own futures, and who can be a model for us, not, not perfectly, but who really are at least a few steps ahead of us so that we can actually see something lived out that we have only tried to imagine for ourselves. And see, what that ends up doing is it helps to remind each of us that there really, it is really possible for life to be different than what it is that we've known up to this point, that it really is possible for a marriage to be like that, that a husband and a wife, they really can fight and they really can argue and, and they, they can actually resolve their differences in some sort of a, of a sane manner. That Jesus, he really can heal broken relationships. That Jesus really can restore and, and bring healing and hope after trust has been broken. That Jesus really can heal the hurt and the pain and the suffering that comes from things like addiction. That Jesus really can do that in a family and in a person's life. That Jesus can really create something new. That he can bring hope into a situation that on the outside looks completely hopeless to us. And see, the truth is this. I'll, I'll be very honest about this with you. See, the frustrating part of this is that you and I, we do not have complete control over this because this is about relationships. And at the same time, this is also why one of the questions we asked ourselves last week is such an incredibly important question for us to, to genuinely be asking that simple question of, have you prayed about this? I mean, have you really prayed about this? Because this isn't just, you know, preacher talk. It's not just Christian jargon. I mean, we need to pray and actually ask our Heavenly Father to bring some individual into our life, some, some man, some woman, some couple, to be that other example so that we can actually see this being lived out in front of us so that we can say to somebody, listen, you're someplace that I want to be and I, I need your map. 
You're someplace that I want to get to in life, but I need to know how you actually got there. I need to understand what it is that you did in this situation that I'm in right now. That's the power of having a role model in our lives who isn't perfect, but who is at least a few steps ahead of where it is that we are. And see, this is also why, if you've never been part of a small group before, this is why, for all of us, being involved in some type of a, of a real small group in our lives, why that's so meaningful, why that is absolutely so impactful for each of us. Because be, having a role model and being in a small group, both of those things, they help each of us to close the gap that exists between truth and life. Having a role model and being involved in a small group, they help us to close the gap between I know what it is that I want and I know why I want it, but what I don't know is how. They help us close the gap between information and application. Both role modeling and small groups, they help to do that in our lives. See, that's why developing relationships with the people that you are sitting next to right now, that's why that is so important in your life. And see, the truth is, for, for all of us here today, but especially for, for you men that are here today, you get to be, and, and listen, God is calling you to be that other person, that other individual for someone else to look in on. God is calling you to be that other vision for an individual and for a family about what it is that life can look like. And, and I get it. I know none of you are sitting here right now thinking to yourselves, oh yeah, that's me. Go ahead. Come on over anytime you want. We are a perfect family for you to look at. Yeah, come on. Anytime you want to look in, we're a great role model family. I, I get it. None of us feels that way. None of us is rushing to go and put our names on that list, are we? But see, the truth is this. God has blessed our church with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men. And you know what the truth is? You're doing it right. God has blessed our church with hundreds and hundreds of families. And you know what? You are doing it right. And, and no, you're not perfect. And, and no, you don't get it right. And you don't get it perfectly all the time. But you are doing it so much better than so many people have seen in the course of their lives. And so God is calling you. Listen, the, the, the greatest and the most significant ministry that you may ever have in your life is simply being available to allow someone else on the inside of your life, to allow another couple, to allow another individual to get on the inside of your life and actually see what life looks like. And yeah, they're going to see some of the not-so-perfect parts of your life, but the truth is that's part of what it is that they need to see. They need to see that those parts that aren't perfect. They need to see that, that, that this family isn't perfect, and look, they're still together. They need to see that things don't always work out perfectly, and yet they're still trying to figure out how to make it work. And so the truth is, I, I want all of us to be praying, either to, for God to provide that person in our lives, or to be open to the possibility of actually being that other person, being that other man, that other woman, that other couple that allows somebody else into their life so that God can show another person what it is that he has done in and through 
your family so they can actually see a new picture. Because, see, listen, this is where discipleship, this is where discipleship actually happens. Because understand this, this is where you get to experience the thrill very personally of getting to help another individual understand what it looks like to be formed what it looks like to believe in Jesus as their Savior. This is where that happens, because disciples, they are not made by institutions. Disciples are not made by organizations. Disciples are made one at a time by the Holy Spirit actually revealing and showing what it is that He does in and through the lives of ordinary people like us. That's what your heavenly Father wants to do in and through you. Men, God is going to use you to actually do that in the life of another person. God is going to use you to help another person see what it means to believe and to become a follower of Jesus. That's what God wants to do through your life. Back into verse 3. It was in his twelfth year, so when Josiah was about twenty years old, that he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, of Asherah poles, carved idols, cast images. Under his direction, the altar of the Baals, they were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them, and he smashed the Asherah poles, the idols, and the images." And then at the end of verse 7, we read this very subtle and yet incredibly significant statement. It says this, Then he, meaning Josiah, he went back to Jerusalem. Now the reason why that's so important is because what we see is that Josiah is doing something individually, personally. Even though Josiah was the king, Josiah took responsibility for purging the land. He took responsibility for purging the land of anything that had the power to, to take his family and to take him back into the ways of his father or his grandfather. We see Josiah, even though he could have delegated that to someone else, Josiah personally takes responsibility for getting rid of all the idols, all the cast images, anything that had the possibility of dragging him or his family back into something that they did not want to be a part of of their story. And see, for you and I, what that means is that if we want to actually listen to a new voice in our lives, it also means for us purging our lives as well. It means purging our families. It means purging our drawers, our computers, our devices. It means purging our, our relationships, that anything that has the potential to drag us back to that world or to that lifestyle that those, or those relationships that, that we want out of our lives. For some of us, it means that there are some relationships that we have that actually need to end. And as challenging as that is for all of us, see, the truth is, is that if we want to start listening to a new voice, then that also means that there are some old voices that we need to stop listening to. Because it is not possible to actually be in a relationship with someone who is engaged in the activities and the behaviors and the patterns that you want out of your life and not have those things come back into your own life. And, and it's not just habits. It's places that we go. It's, it's places that we visit. It may even be activities or events that we used to participate in because the power of the past 
and the draw from those things in our lives personally, it's so powerful we cannot just play with those things. Third, we see this. As we continue to read through this chapter, we see that Josiah, that God actually brings a variety of different people into Josiah's life, people who actually had a relationship with God. He brings them into Josiah's life. See, as we read through chapter 34 and into 35, we bump into a bunch of names that we don't recognize, names that sound uh, very unfamiliar to us, names like Huldah, who is actually a female prophetess. But at the same time, we also bump into a couple names that we do recognize, names like Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah. And it becomes very, very clear as we move through this text that God brings many other people who had a relationship with him into Josiah's life, and Josiah surrounds himself with them. Because, see, the truth is this. God will also bring into your life other people who have a relationship with him and who will help you learn how to listen to his voice in your life. We see this in Scripture, and we see this happening throughout our church. It's one of the most exciting ways that we actually get to see God working in our lives and in our church today. And then lastly is this. Josiah, he looked to the Scriptures to be that new voice of God in his life. That regardless of how he felt, regardless of whatever opportunities he had, that Josiah, he, he was going to make Scripture the standard in his life. And remember, Josiah was the king. And so that meant that as king, his word was law. He could very easily say that whatever he liked was right and whatever he didn't like was wrong. But Josiah was wise enough to understand that, that the only voice that he could put his trust in, the only voice he could put his hope in, was the voice of his heavenly Father. And so we, as we read this chapter, what we find is this in, in verse 8. As Josiah is going through the nation of Judah, as he's purging these idols in these high places, they go into the temple because his grandfather built idols in the very temple itself. And as he's cutting down these idols, one of the men that is with him, a man by the name of Shephan, he discovers a copy of the Old Testament that, that they didn't know that they had because 50 years ago when Manasseh killed all the priests, he also burned all the copies that they had of the Old Testament as well. And so in verse 8, Shephan, he realizes what it is that he found and he read from it in the presence of the king. Verse 9, when the king, when Josiah heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. Now, Josiah tearing his robes, that was a sign of Josiah humbling himself before God. It was a sign of Josiah recognizing that he actually needed God's grace and he needed God's forgiveness in his life. And as the leader of the people, it was also Josiah recognizing this. And, and listen, if you kind of tuned out for a while, just come on back now, just for a minute. I get it. I've sat in those seats plenty of times, I understand if this is the only thing you hear today, what Josiah recognized was also this. Even though it was not his fault that he did not have the word of God in his family's life in the past, now that he did have the word of God, now that he knew it, as the leader, it was his responsibility to make sure that God's word became the standard not only for his life, 
but also for the lives of the people that he was responsible and accountable for. This is what happened. Turn over to verse 29. Josiah hears the words of the law from Shepan. And then in verse 29, we see him doing this. The king, Josiah, he called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people, from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Now, as we get ready to wrap up today, I want to give you a very, very practical way that all of us, okay, men and women, all of us, we can, we can this is a very practical way for us to actually make Scripture the, the standard when it comes to our lives. Because, see, the truth is this. More than likely, you already know what the voices are that are competing with your heavenly Father's voice for your attention and, and for, for your attention in, in your life. The ch- truth is, that's usually pretty easy for most of us to figure that out. And so what I want to challenge you with is this. You identify the very specific behavior. You identify the situation. You identify that very specific circumstance where that other voice, where that is loudest in your life, and then you find a passage of Scripture that speaks very, very specifically to that situation, and you commit that section of Scripture to memory. And I don't mean like memory like, okay, give me a few minutes and I'll figure it out. I mean your long-term memory. Memorize it like your address. Memorize it like your kid's birthday. You memorize that very specific section of Scripture. So you're not just trying to memorize some random Bible verse. But instead what you are doing is you are memorizing a very specific truth from your Heavenly Father that speaks into your life situation and what it is that you are struggling with in this moment. And when you do that, what you will experience, that way when that old voice, when that old voice starts speaking into your life in that moment, what you will experience is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life bringing to your mind the words of your Heavenly Father speaking to you through those words of Scripture that you have personally memorized and committed to memory. I remember personally the very first time I experienced this in my life. When I was growing up, I dealt with horrible horrible anxiety, almost crippling anxiety and fear about what it is that other people thought about me. And, and God gave to me the gift of a scripture, just a simple scripture out of, out of uh, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And God would put that scripture and the truth of those words into my heart and into my life when I was very, very tempted to listen to voices I should not listen to. See, the truth is this. Scripture tells us, our Heavenly Father tells us that we will be transformed. We will be transformed, but we will not be transformed by the commitments that we make. We will instead be transformed by our Heavenly Father's words. 
by the words and by his voice. And the renewing of our minds, that begins by tuning out and turning down old voices and listening very, very closely to the voice, to the words of our Heavenly Father. Because the truth is, God's word, it is powerful. It's more powerful than our commitments. It's more powerful than our good intentions. It's more powerful than our wills. And our Heavenly Father has given to us His words so that we will know His voice, so that we will know Him, so that we will know His Son who is our Savior, and so that He can change us from the inside out. Now, men and dads, A lot of you are much better spiritual leaders in your families than you give yourself credits for being. Because what you have done in your life is you have taken responsibility for the people that God has placed into your life and put under your authority. You have given yourself to your wife. You've given yourself to your family. And you have given yourself to your children in the same way that Jesus has given himself to the church. And that is the foundation of of what it means to be a spiritual leader in your home. And some of you as men, you're sitting here today and you're hearing all of these words I have to say and you know what, you are thinking to yourself, that is so not me. In fact, if you had any idea how much that is not me, you might not even want me in the building because the truth is I have harmed my family. The truth is I have hurt my family. I've hurt the people who are closest to me and who mean the most to me. I I have destroyed relationships. Listen, if that is you today, if that's what you're thinking, you need to hear me say two things. First, do not miss next week's message. And second, think about in King Josiah's life, who was his role model? If you know anything about King David, you know how far from perfect he really was. You know what it is that he did to his own life and what it is that he did to his family's life. He was far from a perfect role model. But what King David did get right was that he understood what it meant to ask for forgiveness. He understood what it meant to ask for healing from his heavenly Father and also from the people whose lives that he hurt as well. And so my challenge for all of us here, but especially for the men and for the young men that are here today, that you would continue to listen or that you would begin to listen to the voice of your Heavenly Father through his words to you. And I want to leave you with one more thought about Josiah. See, what history remembers Josiah for, it's not the mess that he was born into. It's not the chaos that he came from. What history remembers Josiah for is this. We'll put it up on the screen. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of of Moses. See, that is a testimony to the power of God, not a testimony to our wills, not a testimony to our commitments. That is a testimony to what it is that God can do in situations that look and feel hopeless.
That is the testimony to the power of God that is at work in you and in our life and in our world today. That is a testimony to what it is that Jesus does transforming and changing people's lives with his grace and his forgiveness. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, for some of us here today, for some of us, this is that tearing of the robes moment. That moment that in your presence we, we get very honest with you about what it is that life has been for us in the past, maybe even what is happening in our lives right now personally. And Father, while we know and while we are reminded quite often that we cannot change our past, the truth and the promise of Scripture is that you can change us. You can change our hearts. Father, you can change our futures. Jesus, through your grace and through your forgiveness and through your life-changing power, you can make something new in our families and in our worlds personally that has not existed before. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask that in these next few moments that you would personally hear us as we bring and confess our sin to you. Heavenly Father, the good news of the gospel is that you don't just give to us your law. You don't just give to us your rules. You don't just give to us your commands. But, Father, you give to us your Son. You give to us the one who can actually change us. You give to us the one who forgives our sin. You give to us the one who promises us a hope and a future that is new, a future that is different than maybe what we have experienced in our past. Jesus, you are the one who tells us that your sin, it is truly forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.